The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. Providing insight and resources for your spiritual journey. Unity Online Radio. Thank you for tuning in for this Unity Partner Program. Unity Online Radio partners with spiritual leaders from organizations whose mission and messages complement Unity's. We are pleased to bring you this program on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Welcome to Main Street Vegan with hosts Victoria and Adair Moran. Victoria is an author, inspirational speaker, and a certified holistic health counselor and vegan lifestyle coach. She's here with her daughter Adair, a lifelong vegan and an actress, a playwright, and a stunt performer to entertain, educate, and inspire you on your journey to look and feel amazing, eat extraordinary food, help animals, and create a physical body perfectly attuned to spiritual growth. Now let's get this party started. Here are your hosts, Victoria and Adair. Hey everybody, this is Victoria Moran and we are Main Street Vegan. Main Street Vegan Radio right here on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. I am by my lonesome today. My lovely daughter, Adair, seems to have come down with a bit of a cough. Last week I thought I was getting a little coming of the autumn something, and it turned out that she got it instead. Didn't last long. That's the great thing about living healthy. You can get stuff, but it just doesn't seem to get you down like it used to. But she was left with a bit of a cough, so I am taking the reins here by myself and filling you guys in on what's going on in the world of Main Street Vegan before my fabulous special guest shows up in a few minutes. I'm hoping he'll be able to come sooner than the second segment, but we can just handle things before he gets here. My guest is Dr. Michael Greger. I'll introduce him formally when he comes on, but Dr. Greger is a force of nature. This guy is amazing. His website, nutritionfacts.org, gets a million hits a month. Is that exciting? A million people want to know how to get healthy and stay healthy on a plant-based diet. One of the other amazing things that Dr. Greger does is that he scours the nutritional literature, everything written in English. And those scientific journals are deep. (laughs) You know that. That's why we don't want to read them, but he does. 
and he condenses them down so that after reading something like 26,000 journal articles, I know the guy is brilliant, he comes up with a condensation of what is said for the rest of us. He compiles these onto DVDs, and they're so much fun because he does them in a quiz show format, so it's not just like some professor saying, and this is what we hear from the American Journal of Cardiology. No, it's really, really fun. And all of these amazing facts. And overwhelmingly, the facts point to a whole foods, plant-based diet for fabulous health, for living to the potential of, of our genes, and for having an altogether terrific life. So I'm so excited that Dr. Greger is going to be joining us and sharing with us his great wisdom in the field of, of health and nutrition. If you want to call in and talk with Dr. Greger after he comes on, or if you want to call in now and talk with me because I'm all by myself, I'd love to hear from you. The number is 888 558 6489. That's 888-558-6489. Ask your questions, make your comments, and we'll just have a nice conversation. In the meantime, I'll let you in on some of the things that are going on here with me. Last week, when I started to feel a little bit puny, as I said, I thought, okay, the seasons are changing, and it just seems like this time of year, every year, I don't feel as robust as I do the rest of the time. I've also been traveling a lot. The book Main Street Vegan is out there doing so well. I'm so grateful. But it also means that I've been in something like 36 cities between April and now. And that's an awful lot of traveling for somebody who has my kind of temperament and disposition. So I went back where I always go, and that is to the teachings of Ayurveda, Ayurvedic Healthcare. A-Y-U-R-V-E-D-A. This is the system that Dr. Deepak Chopra came from. He's obviously also a Western-trained medical doctor, but his heritage is Ayurveda. And the first book that I read on the subject was also, I think, Deepak Chopra's first book. It's called Perfect Health. And you know how it is when you're clearing out your house, you're clearing out your bookshelves, it's the end of the year, you're sending stuff to the Goodwill or wherever you send it. And you'll pick up a book and say, no, not this one. This one I really will read over and over and over again. And that's certainly how it's been for me with Perfect Health. Because Ayurveda really speaks to my condition on on how to take care of myself. What the gist of it is, is that we are spiritual beings. And certainly anybody who's listening to Unity Online Radio because you have a background in Unity is not surprised by that. But as a spiritual being, this life force, this life essence that keeps us going and that that connects us to the divine is really our vital essence. And in Ayurveda, we're told that we make this connection through the elements of earth, the fire, water, air, ether, earth. And that different people have different combinations of these elements. And all the combinations are just right as long as you can keep yours steady and where it's supposed to be. And for that reason, we need to sometimes eat a little bit differently and treat ourselves a little bit differently. The the three body types in Ayurveda are vata, pitta, and kapha. 
And kapha is very tranquil. Kapha people don't get sick a lot. They might get some kind of mucusy, cold type things, but basically they're very steady. They tend to to be very calm and easygoing. Maybe on the downside, they might tend to put on weight a little bit, and they don't like going to the gym. But if they ever get themselves there, they do a really good job at it. And then there's the pitta type that is fiery. Pitta people tend to be very assertive. They accomplish a lot in life. But if they get out of balance, they tend to have inflammatory kinds of conditions, skin eruptions, arthritis, that kind of thing. Then there's vata. And vata people tend to be slender and very slight. And when they're out of balance, you think of them as a little bit spacey. They're the kind of people that really need to be grounded. Now, I'm mostly vata, and it's interesting. My husband is mostly pitta. So I feel like we have a little bit of an Ayurvedic workshop right here in our apartment in Harlem because he needs the air conditioning on. Even when it's October, he needs the air conditioning on. I don't even need the air conditioning on in the middle of August because I'm the one who's always cold and reaching for a sweater and sometimes a hat, even when I'm indoors because I'm a vata. And it's very interesting to see these differences. So what I've been doing lately is working on balancing my vata. And even if you don't know your body type, Although it's very easy to find out, that book I told you about, Perfect Health, has a wonderful questionnaire. You can also go online and just say Ayurvedic questionnaire, and you can find one that will will help you find your body type pretty easily. But whatever your body type is, when summer starts turning into fall, everybody's vata gets a little bit off, and we need to kind of bring ourselves back with a little bit more of the warm foods. Oatmeal in the morning is really good right now. Some warm soy milk or almond milk before you go to bed is very nice and soothing. Some stews, the kinds of foods that we think about as being good for this time of year. Very, very calming. It's also important to get plenty of rest and have a nice, solid schedule just to kind of keep yourself in the best odds for having perfect health now that the um, fall is coming to us. Oh, oh, I see our wonderful guest is on, so I'm going to stop my little soliloquy here. I just want to recommend one book before we go on, and that's called The Ayurvedic Vegan Kitchen. In traditional Ayurveda, It's a vegetarian diet that's recommended for everybody, but they do allow for milk because the system is thousands of years old. And thousands of years ago, you could probably get milk from healthy cows. And in India, cows were treated well and people only took the milk that was left after the baby had plenty and all that. That has not been the way it's been for a very long time. So if you're interested in Ayurveda, you do want to do it vegan style. And I recommend this lovely book, The Ayurvedic Vegan Kitchen. And I will get you the lovely author's name during the break so that you can look that up and start making some great food, maybe this very night. Well, this very minute, I'm going to bring on a fabulous guest. I've been waiting for him to have time in his calendar for several months to make this happen, and I'm so happy that this is the day. Welcome, Dr. Michael Greger. I introduced you earlier, so come right on. I'm so happy to be here. Well, me too. And you know, we share something this year 
we were both named Vegan of the Year by VegansAreCool.com. And the coolest thing for me about being Vegan of the Year was that you were the other Vegan of the Year. Well, I couldn't be in better company. (laughs) Well, I certainly feel that way. So, Dr. Greger, tell people how to get these fabulous videos every morning. You know, I unsubscribe to virtually everything. The only thing I voluntarily subscribe to is your daily video. What's that all about? Oh, that's very sweet of you. Well, uh, nutritionfacts.org, I created it about a year ago to put all my work online for free. It's really the first kind of non-commercial, science-based website to provide free daily updates on the latest discoveries in nutrition uh, via these short, easy-to-understand videos. It has hundreds of videos on more than a 1,000 topics, and I upload a new video every day. And you can subscribe by going to nutritionfacts.org, um, and you can get that morning email uh, so you can uh, wake up uh, your day right. It's fantastic. And the best thing is the videos are right about at a minute. And you know, sometimes people say, I only have a minute. Well, <laughs> if you only have a minute, that's all you need. Now, you have been talking about some really interesting things lately, so I'm just going to jump in to some of, of the current topics You did quite a bit for a week or so about nuts, and there's a little bit of controversy among the plant-based physicians about whether we should eat nuts. What does the science say? Well, I mean, uh, you know, my 2012 presentation, I talk about, I kind of go through the leading causes of death, the top 15 causes of uh, kind of the top 15 killers. And, uh, you know, killer number one, and talking about the role that the diet can play in preventing, treating, and even reversing our top killers. And number one, heart disease. Um, I talk about kind of the, the one study I feature is the 35-year follow-up to the Harvard Nurses Health Study, the most comprehensive study on older women's health to date um, on the planet. And uh, the one food found kind of most tied to longevity in terms of living longest was actually nuts. Um, and it appears just two handfuls of nuts a week appears to extend one's lifespan as much as four hours of weekly jogging. Not that you can't do both, of course. That is amazing. <laughs> Plus, it's more fun to eat nuts. <laughs> <laughs> wow. So, so what's the controversy? Is, um, is it so clear? Uh, well, why isn't it clear? Well, I think, uh, you know, on first glance, nuts are very calorically dense foods have a, and, and have a lot of fat in them. And when we have associated, uh, you know, fat, we think, typically, we think animal products. I mean, you think, when, when, there's, when the recommendation decades ago from our government was to, you know, start reducing the fat in our diet, you know, the junk food industry gave us snack well fudge-drizzled cookies. Um, and the medical profession said, okay, well, what's low fat? In hopes of that we'd, you know, go eat an apple or something. Um, and, and then that recommendation came out of an understanding that saturated fat intake, that most of the fat intake coming into the American diet was from, you know, cheese and chicken and, uh, and, and pastries and pork. Those are kind of the top four causes of top four uh, contributors to this cholesterol-raising saturated fat, which contributes to kind of the number one risk factor or bad cholesterol to the number one killer heart disease. And so there was this equation of fat 
with heart disease, fat with raising our risk factors for our number one killer. But, you know, most people, but there's, you know, there's, there's healthy sources of fat, there's unhealthy sources of fat. The fat in animal products, the saturated fats, and the trans fats in junk food as well as animal products does indeed increase our bad cholesterol, increase our risk for heart disease, shortening our lifespan. But there are healthy sources of fat, and the healthiest source of fat are nuts and seeds, which are packed with nutrition um, and uh, indeed have been associated with lower cholesterol, lower heart disease risk, as well as lower risk of diabetes in a long list of our top killers, and indeed in this study was associated with living longest. No other food in the study was associated with living uh, that long, although certainly all fiber-containing foods in the study um, were found to extend lifespan. Just, for example, a cup of oatmeal's worth of fiber a day um, had a similar benefit um, as those uh, two weekly servings of nuts. And, of course, fibers only found one place, and that's in plant foods. And so, um, you know, I think that the original concern about uh, nuts came out of the sense that, oh, high-fat, instant kind of red flag, without realizing, well, look, the reason that the high-fat foods traditionally in the American diet were bad was because they were the animal fats. These artery-clogging, cholesterol-raising, saturated animal fats, they weren't talking about healthy plant-based sources of fat, such as nuts and seeds. I see. And does this include coconut? Um, actually, coconut is one of those rare plant foods that actually does have a substantial amount of saturated fat. There are three. Um, one is coconut oil. One is cocoa butter, the fat in chocolate, and the third is palm kernel oil. These are the three rare plant fats that have a significant proportion of saturated fatty acids and do indeed raise your cholesterol. So coconut oil raises your cholesterol, but actually defatted coconut, which you can't really buy, but they do in kind of laboratory studies, actually lowers your cholesterol. Why? Because it's a plant food. It has fiber. And you put them both together, the defatted coconut with coconut oil, to make coconut like you'd buy in a store like coconut flakes, dried flaked coconut or fresh coconut. And indeed, um, uh, there does not seem to be any um, increase in bad cholesterol, although it, it doesn't lower cholesterol either. And so coconut is fine, but coconut oil um, and coconut milk-based products um, uh, should be avoided for people who can't get their LDL, their bad cholesterol, below 60 or 70, which essentially where you're heart attack proof. If you're eating an exceedingly good diet, you're eating a healthy plant-based diet, and you can get your LDL down below that, eat all the coconut oil you want, but for most people um, who are really, even on pretty good diets, still need to struggle to get their bad cholesterol down to that level, I would uh, avoid uh, coconut oil to uh, because uh, again it would uh, go against that uh, that that fight to, to struggle our LDL down to the uh, 60 or 70 range where we can just scratch that off the list as something to worry about. You can still get hit by a bus. Still need to wear our bike helmets and seat belts and other things. But in terms of heart disease, um, essentially is unknown in people whose bad cholesterol is that low. And the only way you can do that is high dose drugs sometimes or a healthy plant-based diet. 
Ooh, and that one's easy and fun. Our call-in number is 888-558-6489 if you have questions for Dr. Michael Greger. And we will be back after the break to learn more and more and more from maybe the most brilliant vegan out there. We'll see you after the break. This is Main Street Vegan on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Our goal at Unity Online Radio is to continue expanding our spiritual programming and growing our listening audience. To help us become an ever stronger voice in today's world, we ask for your support. Please visit www.unity.fm and click on Donate Now. Thank you. Now and then, life is challenging. I may not welcome challenge itself, but I welcome the opportunity to learn from whatever arises, to grow in understanding, to flex my spiritual muscles. Every day is a new day, a fresh start. No situation or circumstance can hold me back. My life is not only about what's happening to me, it's also what's happening through me. The Christ within is my source of unlimited wisdom and creativity. I do my best when I respond to any challenge from my Christ nature rather than reacting impulsively from my human nature. Every day I pursue what enriches me, enjoying the journey to my goals as much as the destination. This inspirational message is brought to you by Daily Word. Daily Word. Inspiration and practical teachings to help people of all faiths live healthy, prosperous, and meaningful lives. Give Daily Word to yourself or friend and give the gift of hope, joy, peace, and encouragement. Order your subscriptions today online at dailyword.com. From on the air to on the sea, pack your bags and come with me. Hey, hey, what you waiting for? early winter Monday with all the things you like to do hey hey treat yourself to more a little more summer a little more sun a little less work and a lot more fun a little more beach a little more sand a little less stress and a lot more pain Join your favorite Unity Online Radio hosts for Cruise in the Caribbean, November 10th to 17th, 2012. On this fun-filled Caribbean adventure, enjoy sunshine, exceptional dining, and island excursions. Feed your spirit with music, message, and meditation, plus one-on-one time with some of your favorite hosts. That's Cruise in the Caribbean, November 10th to 17th, 2012. To learn more, go to unity.fm slash cruise. A little more sunset, a little more sea, a little less do and a lot more be. Hey, hey. 
You're listening to Main Street Vegan with Victoria and Adair Moran. If you have questions or comments about today's topic or any other area of interest, we invite you to follow Victoria Moran on Twitter or email her at MainStreetVegan at UnityOnlineRadio.org. Now, back to Main Street Vegan. Hey everybody, welcome back to Main Street Vegan. I'm Victoria Moran. If you want to find out more about Main Street Vegan and the work that we do, please check out www.mainstreetvegan.net. We do all sorts of fun things there in addition to this fabulous radio show. We have Main Street Vegan Academy, training and certifying vegan lifestyle coaches. So you might want to check that out and give us a holler. Also, before I introduce Dr. Greger in the first segment, I mentioned a book, The Ayurvedic Vegan Kitchen, Finding Harmony Through Food. The author of that is Talia Lutzker. That's L-U-T-Z-K-E-R, Talia Lutzker. And her website is taliaskitchen.com, T-A-L-Y-A-S, kitchen.com. It's a really good book. And speaking of websites, oh my gosh, nutritionfacts.org, the website of Dr. Michael Greger. Dr. Greger is a medical doctor. He is with the Humane Society of the United States. He is a former and still, I would say, actor and terrific presenter. So if you have called to be in San Francisco or San Diego or Tampa, Florida during the month of of October and maybe some other places too, Dr. Greger will be there and you can hear him and meet him in person. It is so, so, so worth the trip. So Dr. Greger, just to get it from, from ground level on, If somebody is just listening to this show for the first time and they're kind of veg curious, what should people be eating? Just what's a simple, basic way to hedge your bets against the diseases that almost everybody seems to get? Well, the closer we can center our diet around the healthiest foods, and that's fruits and vegetables and legumes or beans, peas, lentil, soy, uh, nuts and seeds, whole grains, the better off we'll be. And it's not all or nothing, even people, you know, doing meatless Mondays, cutting down on meat. Um, uh, There's actually some interesting new research on so-called flexitarians, people who are uh, reducing their meat intake. And you do see some remarkable benefits, even reducing down to, for example, 50 grams a day, about half a serving of meat a day. Um, You can actually see a, a significant drop in diseases such as hypertension and diabetes, and obesity rates, um, uh, you know, some of these, these are some of the top killers, um, and even just cutting down um, on animal products can get one's risk um, down uh, on the order of about 10%, and then uh, as one uh, cuts out all forms of meat and cutting out uh, eggs and dairy, one can decrease one's risk um, even further down to just a fraction of the risk of the standard population. But again, it's, uh, I mean, it, it's, it's not all or nothing. Going from two packs a day down to half a pack will be doing your um, lungs some good and similarly uh, cutting down on, uh, on saturated fat and cholesterol-containing foods. I will be doing your body a favor, and so it can, uh, it can heal itself from many of uh, the chronic disease that are plaguing the Western world. I know that a lot of people will go vegan and then they'll say, oh, you know, I didn't really feel all that good and now I'm paleo and now I feel great. 
my my own opinion is that those people decided that cupcakes were a food group when they were vegan. I see a lot of that as I go around to various conferences and things that just because we've learned how to create pastries and marshmallows and things, those are still not supposed to be a major part of the diet, right? That's true. You know, I speak on college campuses a lot, and you have these kind of, you know, French fry and beer-centered vegans. You know, that's what they live off of. And, uh, you know, those are not health-promoting um, foods is the center of one's diet. And indeed, there's uh, lots of junk food out there. You know, it's funny. It's like, you know, all my celiac disease patients who, uh, you know, who are, are, are gluten intolerant. You know, at 20 years ago, people that had to get gluten out of their diet because they had this disease actually became really healthy because they cut out all the donuts and cut out all the, the, a lot of the garbage they were, they were eating. But now there's all this gluten-free junk food. And so people can, you know, can radically change their diet and still eat just as crappy as they were before. And the same thing with people uh, shifting to a more plant-based diet. You can be vegan and have a terrible diet. There's now every brand of junk food you liked before just without uh, the animal products in it. And so, um, and that, that, you know, has some benefits in terms of one's kind of ecological footprint um, and animal welfare, but... Uh, you know, in terms of you may not be doing your body um, uh, many favors. And so uh, so taking a healthier approach um, uh, is, certainly, uh, is certainly better for all involved. And, uh, you know, for those that don't feel good going on a healthy vegan diet, I actually want to, it's interesting, one of the most common causes is they, they tend, um, in my experience, I'm going to want to actually have them do a dietary record. Actually, you know, give me a, um, uh, you know, uh, list everything that goes in their mouth for a few days. And you actually look at what they're eating. Often they're not eating enough calories. They're actually not getting enough energy. And that's because, uh, you know, healthy foods are very calorically dilute. There's just not a lot of calories in them. And so they're used to eating a certain volume of food. They're used to, for, you know, breakfast, lunch, and dinner, having a certain, you know, looking down at a plate, seeing a full plate, and, you know, if you eat that, then you've just had a meal. Um, but, you know, if you eat the same amount of food, but it's whole healthy plant foods, you're, you're getting a fraction of the caloric intake. And you actually may not even be meeting your energy needs for the day. So that's great for people who are trying to lose weight. But uh, anyone who has gone on a calorically restricted weight loss diet, you can just it can just sap the energy right out of you, and that's because you're just not getting the energy in your diet. Um, and so, uh, you know, one of... Uh, one of what many see as the benefits of a plant-based diet is not only can you eat all you want, but you really have to sometimes force yourself. If you're if you're if you're revolving your diet around healthy food, you have to force yourself to eat more. Uh, you may have to add some more snacks into your diet. You may have to eat you know just a larger volume of food just to get kind of your daily energy requirements, just so you can function. Particularly if you're athletic. Um, and so that would be one of my first recommendations for um, someone who starts eating healthy and just um, doesn't feel uh, as much energy as they had before. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I remember when I first got into this going vegetarian about 40 years ago and vegan almost 30, it was just guaranteed. If you went vegan, you were going to be healthier, you were going to look great, you were going to lose weight. 
And that doesn't seem to always be the case these days. So let's talk a little bit about obesity. We know that that's affecting two-thirds of Americans. Do vegans do better? Oh, in fact, vegans are the only dietary group that, on average, is not overweight. Um, uh, so the average BMI, or body mass index, of vegans is, I mean, right dead on target, about 23 and a half. Uh, basically, uh, anything over 25 is overweight. Anything over 30 is uh, clinically obese. And the average uh, American is indeed overweight. In fact, almost bordering on obesity um, at uh, above 28, a BMI of 28. About two-thirds of Americans are overweight. One-third is obese. Um, whereas the average uh, vegan is right on target. And that really raised uh, a question among nutrition researchers have been kind of desperate to uncover their secret. Uh, now, uh, certainly people eating healthy, you know, plant-based diets eat, are eating fewer calories, but actually not that many fewer um, to, uh, you know, which you see in these kind of interventional studies. You take people, you put them on a vegan diet, and, you know, they tend to uh, um, lose about an average of 30 pounds and kind of keep it off um, years later. But they're not eating that many fewer calories that would lead to that kind of weight loss. A couple of theories have emerged. Um, originally, they were thinking uh, that people eating these kind of plant-strong diets um, actually do express more of this, uh, this, this fat-shoveling enzyme inside of the power plants or the mitochondria in our cells actually is expressed more in people um, eating plant-based diets. Uh, people uh, eating uh, vegetarian and vegan grow, tend to grow different populations of these good bacteria in their gut which are more, uh, uh, which are able to, um, uh, which extract energy differently from the food um, uh, going down our intestines. There, there's, we're also avoiding some of these so-called obesogenic endocrine disrupting chemicals in the meat supply. There's even a, an obesity causing virus in poultry that may be contributing. So we're still not sure, but the th- theories kind of keep coming. Uh, the latest one I talked about in my uh, new in my 2012 presentation is um, surrounds this uh, this compound called propionate. Uh, you know, one of the things that's only found in plant foods, never in animal foods, is fiber. You know, animals have bones to hold them up. Plants have fiber to hold them up. Uh, But, you know, wait a second. I thought fiber was defined as our inability to digest it. Well, sure, we can't break down fiber, but the gazillions of good bacteria in our guts can. And what they make with it, one of the things they produce as a byproduct of fiber consumption is something called propionate, which gets absorbed into our bloodstream. So, you know, technically we can digest fiber, but just not without a little help from our little friends. And what does propionate do? Well, it inhibits cholesterol synthesis, so it brings our cholesterol down, and also has what's called a hypophagic effect. What it does, it helps us eat less by slowing down the rate at which food empties from our stomachs, so we feel fuller longer. Um, and, uh, and one of the ways we can boost the numbers of these good bacteria in our guts without probiotics is just by um, eating vegetarian and vegan because we're feeding our little friends with fiber. And so there's this nice kind of positive feedback loop that the more we eat healthy, the easier it is to, um, uh, to keep, off at, keep off excess weight because we have a different population of bacteria in our gut which are producing more of this compound that helps us um, eat healthier in the long run. Still, I'm sure there'll be many theories down the road as to why um, vegans have such low rates of obesity, but uh, it's an active area of research, and I will keep putting them up on the website as they come along.
And, and you do a great job of that. <laughs> now, you did something a couple of weeks ago that was really interesting to me. I happen to have a degree in comparative religions. Talk about a kid that went to school without thinking about where she was going to get a job. But anyway, this, this station, Unity Online Radio, is part of the Association of, of Unity Churches, Unity School out there in, in Kansas City, which is a religious organization. As I saw in a, a breakdown this morning, my daughter gets these um, audition announcements, and one of the characters in this play, it said that she was a 27-year-old girl who was religious but not right-wing. So I would say that pretty much describes Unity and what's going on there. But I'm fascinated by your your report of the research that looked at the biblical Daniel fast. For anybody oh, that knows the Bible, yeah. Daniel was fed lentils and vegetables, and he did better than the other people. Yeah. Now, are you saying scientific researchers looked at that? It's amazing. Yeah, how fun. Um, uh you know, the, uh, so, so we have this wonderful body of research showing not only kind of cross-sectional data, these kind of population-based studies, but uh, interventional studies, kind of the gold standard where you split people up into two different groups and put them on different diets, and you can show these amazing benefits of plant-based diets. But So the question is, okay, we, we, we know what we need people to do. The question is, how do we get people to do it? And so these researchers at the University of Memphis down in Tennessee say, okay, how are we going to get people to follow a vegan diet? Well, chapter 1, verses 8 through 16, the prophet Daniel, you know, best known for his, uh, you know, lion's den rather than his budding role as nutritional scientist. But uh, as, you, as you mentioned, right, he, he resolved not to defile himself with the king's food, right? And so, um, uh, so he, you know, he told the guard, round up 10 subjects, put them on a plant-based diet, um, and uh, and then, lo and behold, they looked healthier and better nourished than, you know, what the king was feeding them, and so Daniel got to eat his veggies. So, but that, that was 2,700 years ago. Well, the University of Memphis researchers decided to put it to the test. Finally, you know, it's time to replicate that study. Um, and so, uh, so we did these great series of experiments. Um, so for 21 days, uh, put people on uh, strict vegan diets, Fruits, vegetables, whole grains, legumes, nuts, and seeds. Really healthy, wonderful diets, 21 days. You know, people think of a fast. They think of, uh deprivation, only water, that kind of thing. But no, the Daniel fast is just getting rid of the garbage, getting rid of the um, the, the, the junk foods and uh, the animal foods. That you can. This is the, the problem with interviewing someone from the Humane Society. That's <laughs> not a problem. You get Lily in the background. Yeah. It's okay, Lily. Um, uh, but um, uh, and so uh, the uh, so what they looked they looked at uh, what happened in terms of antioxidant status and oxidative stress and markers of metabolic and cardiovascular disease risk saw some amazing changes um, in these people and these were healthy people put on these fasts and even and they still their blood pressure got better cholesterol got better insulin levels insulin resistance inflammation levels everything um, uh, um, improved to a clinically meaningful extent. Um, on average, and you know what they found is, um, from a nutritional scientist's point of view, this is really the kicker: is they had a compliance rate of ninety-eight point seven percent. Right, ninety-eight point seven percent of people in Tennessee complied because they didn't say it's a strict vegan diet, even though that's what it was. They said, no, it's a Daniel fast. Here's the Bible. Read it uh, and do it, and they got healthier. And so, what a great tool to inspire people 
to um, of faith-based communities to eat healthier. We could improve the health of entire congregations at once um, by you know telling people to follow the advice um, thousands of years old laid down in the Old Testament. Wow, that's exciting. Now, when you do your presentations, you always talk about the score of what food is the highest antioxidant food this year. And every year, it's something different. It's like Miss America. So (laughs) what are the best ones? Oh, yeah, no, it's funny. Um, Well, it's only because there's more and more data. So back in uh, 2007, when researchers only looked at 40 different foods, blueberries were the best. You still hear that to to this day, blueberries, high antioxidants. But that's they looked at 40 foods. That was at Tufts, my old medical alma mater. Um, But uh, then two years later, the USDA looked at 300 foods. And sure, when you look at 40 foods, blueberries are the best, but they hadn't looked at walnuts. And walnuts came out um, higher, and then red beans, little red beans came out even higher than walnuts. And it's not because little red beans weren't as high as they were before. No one had ever tested them. So every year we get more and more foods, and we get, you know, we can move higher on the scale because we have more knowledge. Um, but then finally, I was so excited last year, 2011, <laughs> a study was published, 3,100 foods tested, 3,100 foods. This is um, labs all over the world collaborated, including Harvard, um, where they said, look, let's just do it. Let's, you know, and so they did. I mean, can you even imagine? Can you, I mean, 3,000, are there even 3,000 foods out there, you know? Um, and so finally, we were able to get down to the nitty gritty of uh, of uh, of what was really um, had the most of these anti aging, anti um, cancer, antioxidants. Um, and so, um, uh, so whether you're looking at the best nut or the best beverage or the best whatever, so um, and it it dramatically changed my my eating habits, my family's eating habits. I mean, you know, every time I come back from the library, they're like, oh, what do we have to eat now? You know, <laughs> because we learn new stuff. So, um, so for example, um, uh, the, you know, healthiest beverage um, up until last year, um, according to the best science I could find, was a green tea or actually white tea um, or matcha tea, even better, powdered green tea, which you actually drink instead of throwing out the leaves. And so that's what I was recommending to people, or chai tea, even better. So you get the green tea, but throw in all those wonderful spices. Um, uh, but then along comes the study that for the first time looked at hibiscus tea, with the, the, you know, what you find in kind of red zinger teas, um, uh, um, made from this beautiful red flower. Um, and that had a higher antioxidant level than the green tea. Now, green tea has other things in it, like theanine and some other compounds which have unique properties, and so there's, it's still wonderful to drink tea, but uh, this hibiscus tea had a higher antioxidant content, um, and so that's, so then, you know, switched over. In fact, I have some hibiscus tea right in front of me, um, and uh, I've been sipping it throughout the day. It sounds um, lovely. So- now, we have to go on a break. Yep so that people can fix some blueberries with walnuts and red beans and a nice cup of hibiscus tea. And we will be back after this message. More with Dr. Michael Greger on Main Street Vegan on Unity Online Radio. What if you could experience vibrant health, help heal the planet, and be a great friend to God's animal kingdom through simple choices you make at breakfast, lunch, and dinner? 
Authors Victoria and Adair Moran say you can do this easily, affordably, and deliciously in their new book, Main Street Vegan. Everything you need to know to eat healthfully and live compassionately in a real world. Loaded with practical tips, straightforward information, and fabulous recipes, Main Street Vegan will help you on your journey toward a plant-based diet. The perks include more energy, an easy way to keep your weight where you want it, feeling younger as you grow older, and maybe even a boost to your spiritual life. Purchase Main Street Vegan from BN.com, Amazon.com, or your favorite bookseller. Is there a difference between the spiritual teachings you know and how you live your life? Does your day-to-day experience reflect what you truly value? Are you ready to receive your life and live the gift that you are? Join Janice Campbell, licensed Unity teacher, author, and coach each week as she shares inspiration and tools to help you identify and dissolve the limiting beliefs that prevent you from living the fullest expression of what you are. Talk with Janice live every Thursday at 9 a.m. Pacific, 11 a.m. Central on Receive Your Life, only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Thank you for tuning in for Main Street Vegan. Here are your hosts, Victoria and Adair. Welcome back, everybody. I'm Victoria Moran. You can find me at MainStreetVegan.net. And our wonderful guest today, my Dr. Michael Greger, is at NutritionFacts.org. You can subscribe to his daily one-minute video that is just fascinating. Every day, it's more interesting than the day before. If you're fascinated by nutrition, you will love Michael Greger's daily videos. Now, Dr. Greger was just telling us the highest antioxidant foods, and he ended with hibiscus tea, but that's old news. That was 2011. Now there's a 2012. What's the big concho of antioxidants this year? Well, it's uh, probably the healthiest thing one consume and ter- one can consume in terms of antioxidant content that we know of, and this is after looking at 3,000 different uh, foods and beverages, um, is uh, actually dried Indian gooseberries. Indian gooseberries, also known as amla, which is kind of a key um, uh, component of traditional Indian medicine or Ayurvedic medicine. Um, uh, and what's nice is it, it's incredibly cheap stuff. Uh, you can get like a two-month supply for maybe $2 at any Indian spice store. Um, and, you know, just a little pinch of the stuff um, has, you know, uh, you know, an antioxidant punch, you know, uh, you know, 40 times that of blueberries. Um, and so, uh, so yeah, I, I put it in my hibiscus tea. And so I can kind of bathe my body in antioxidants the whole day long. That is very cool. One of the things that we do with the Main Street Vegan Academy students is take a lot of field trips. And one of them is to an Indian spice market. So now I'll have another spice to talk about. Thank you so much. But just so that everybody understands, what is an antioxidant and why do we care? Yeah, that's a great question, right? We hear of things like, you know, antioxidants, free radicals, but what are they? Well, 
Um, uh, the uh, it's, I talk about in my DVD, kind of go into the details of the quantum biology of oxidative phosphorylation, but just to kind of simplify, um, uh, the uh, uh, basically um, the plants take the energy in the sun in a process called photosynthesis, and they take a low-energy electron, which is a basic form of matter, and they power it up with energy from the sun into a high-energy electron. Um, uh, and then uh, we then eat those high-energy electrons in the form of, uh, you know, uh, fat, carbs, and protein and deliver it to our cells. And inside our cells, we have these little power plants called mitochondria that take those high-energy electrons and and uh, and extract that energy and finally dump that electron onto um, oxygen, which is the reason we need to breathe. Um, and and so in that way, we transfer energy from the sun to plants to us. Um, uh, but in that process, um, uh, these high energy electrons are so kind of volatile. Um, and uh, and and uh, oxygen is so kind of hungry for these high energy electrons. About one percent of these electrons can actually leak out of our mitochondria, these little these little power plants inside inside our cells. And oxygen can grab them and turn it to what's called superoxide. These these free radicals which actually do damage to our cellular machinery, damage our DNA, uh, can trigger cancer. Um, and so what we need is antioxidants to come in and wrestle away these high-energy electrons from um, oxygen um, and to kind of defuse the situation. Um, and so that's actually kind of the leading theory of aging currently. It's called the oxidative theory of aging, and that is that it is this damage from, um, anti, from these free radicals um, that is basically uh, what causes this decline in organ system um, uh, functioning over time. That's um, uh, basically we're rusting, right? That's what rust is, the oxidation of metal. And scientifically, aging can be considered kind of the slow oxidation of our bodies. Like, you know, the gr brown age spots on the back of people's hands, that's just oxidized fat under our skin. Oxidant stress is why we get wrinkles, why we lose some of our memory, uh, why our kind of organ systems may break down as we get older. Um, but uh, you, you can tell if a food has a lot of antioxidants in it. Right? That's how we slow down oxidation, by eating foods with antioxidants. Um, and if you want to know if a food has lots in them, you slice open the food, op expose it to air, expose it to oxygen, and see what happens, right? Does it oxidize? Does it turn brown? If you think of our two most popular fruits, apples, bananas, you know, they turn brown right away. Not a lot of antioxidants in them. Uh, but how do you keep your fruit salad from turning brown? You add lemon juice, which has vitamin C in it, an antioxidant, which can keep your food from oxidizing, can do the same thing inside of our bodies. And so it's our way of, uh, of, of combating the free radicals that are generated naturally within our bodies as well as the oxidant stress we um, are exposed to in our environment from air pollution um, and a number of industrial pollutants. Um, and uh, so uh, particularly the way our world is polluted these days, we need to just flood our bodies with antioxidants throughout the day. And indeed, um, it's, so it's not just the 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 quality the quantity of fruits and vegetables but quality as well um, and so uh, when we say when people are told eat five servings of fruits and vegetables a day or nine servings of fruits and vegetables a day which is the current recommended minimum daily requirement 
Um, uh, you know, when people say, oh, okay, and they eat uh, just bananas, which are relatively low nutrients, or they eat iceberg lettuce or something as their vegetable, they're not um, doing themselves as much favor as eating the, the fruits with the, most, uh, with the highest levels of antioxidants, like berries, or the vegetables with the um, highest nutrient content, dark green leafy vegetables. Um, and so not just quantity but quality and indeed there are studies showing that when people keep the same amount of fruits and vegetables in the diet but just switch over to higher antioxidant ones so they're still eating five servings but moving from bananas to berries and lettuce to uh, kale um, you can see remarkable changes in terms of decreasing inflammation in their bodies um, and decreasing uh, biomarkers of chronic disease risk and so it actually does matter what kinds of fruits and vegetables you're eating not just that you get enough of them in your diet Oh, that's exciting. And you've also given me a new affirmation to say. It is, I rust slowly, very, <laughs> very slowly. And I'll drink some hibiscus tea and say that affirmation and think of you. Now, just again for clarity, is an antioxidant different from a phytochemical? Uh, well, all... Um Nearly all antioxidants are phytochemicals, but not all phytochemicals are antioxidants. Phytochemical, from phyto, from the Greek phytos, meaning plant, phyton, meaning plant, um, these are all plant nutrients. And when you look at the quote-unquote nutrition facts on the back of, you know, blueberries or something, you'll see there doesn't look like there's much in there. Uh, you know, there's a little bit of calcium, a little bit of iron, right? But what it's not listing is literally the tens of thousands of nutrients that are unique to the plant kingdom. If they actually had to list them all, it would be like Santa's list pouring out onto the floor, um, uh, and so that's why when you compare a bag of blueberries to, uh, you know, to, to, uh, you know, steak TV dinner, and you look at the nutrient content, you look at the back in terms of percentages, you, you don't get the full, um, uh, you, you really don't get a, a good comparable analysis because what you're not seeing is the tens of thousands of nutrients that are missing out, um, in, uh, animal, uh, kingdom foods. And uh, and so uh, I encourage people to eat as low as possible on the food chain so you can get all these phytonutrients. Um, uh, they are not nutrients in the technical sense that you need them. They're essential for life, but they are essential for a long, healthy life. Makes sense. Now, I want to ask you, Dr. Greger, about the nutrient that we vegetarians and vegans are asked about all the time, which is protein. And you had a very interesting post today. You had a very interesting one yesterday that what we used to think of as high-quality proteins may be the ones we want to have less of, even if they're from the plant kingdom. Oh, yeah, now that's interesting. So the, the whole, this whole concept of quality of protein, um, uh, you hear you know, things being referred to as higher and lower quality proteins. Um, and this is talking about the ratio of certain essential amino acids within that protein. Um, and basically, the more closely they match ours, the higher, quote-unquote, quality they are. But it's important to recognize that all plant foods have all of the essential amino acids that we need for life. One does not need to combine various foods. There was this sense back in the 70s, we need to kind of combine beans and rice to get a full, complete um, uh, protein profile. That um, uh, 
poor Francis Moore LePay, who wrote it and died for a small planet, has since, of course, retracted that. And, you know, the official position statement of the uh, the largest group of nutrition professionals in the world, the American Dietetic Association, though they just changed their name, um, uh, agrees that no reason one needs to kind of complement proteins, that plant proteins have all the essential amino acids you need, um, uh, but this concept of uh, of higher and lower quality proteins is kind of, you know, the the the, the proteins in uh, meat look uh, have a similar proportion to the uh, to the proteins that are found in us because we're made out of meat, as opposed to compared to the proteins found in a banana, for example. Um, now our body can take the proteins of banana, break them down, and create uh, our own body proteins. But it turns out that when we eat animal proteins that look like our proteins, um, it is a stimulus to our liver to produce this uh, growth factor um, called insulin-like growth factor 1, which uh, increases uh, cancer risk. It's kind of a signal within our body to grow. Um, and uh, when it gets these so-called high-quality proteins, um, that is a signal to start kind of um, uh, building on um, and which, when you're a kid, fine, growth signals are great, but when you're an adult, we don't need to grow anymore. In fact, you know, uh, what may be um, uh, being spurred on, the growth of, is tiny tumors we have within our bodies. Um, and so um, the question is, well, what about um, plant foods that have a sim- just kind of coincidentally have a similar amino acid profile. Th- 30 seconds, Dr. Gregor. I'm sorry. Sure. Um, uh, so what about those uh, plant foods like soy, for example, that has a very similar um, profile to uh, animal products? And it turns out it does not have the same boost in the cancer-promoting hormone, but, um, uh, but if you eat enough of it, over probably five servings a day, um, you may... Um, uh, impa- you may uh, not be able to take adva- full advantage of your plant-based diet in terms of lowering cancer risk. So I encourage people to limit their soy intake to less than five servings a day. And that's a lot. Dr. Gregor, bless your heart. Thank you so much. Everybody, go to nutritionfacts.org. You can look up every kind of condition, every kind of food, and you can get these fabulous daily videos. Thank you so very much, and we will be back a week from today with the wonderful Rory Friedman, co-author of Skinny Bitch. Eat your veggies. God bless. Thank you for listening to Main Street Vegan. Join us every Wednesday at 2 p.m. Central Time as Victoria and Adair Moran entertain, educate, and inspire you on your vegan journey. This program is sponsored by Main Street Vegan. To learn more about Victoria and Adair or to explore training with Main Street Vegan Academy as a vegan lifestyle coach, go to www.mainstreetvegan.net. That's www.mainstreetvegan.net.
God is formless, yet takes many forms. What goes around comes around. Chant the name of the Lord and be free. No one comes to the Father except through me. Ever been confused by the variety and apparent contradiction within world religions? Join Reverend Paul John Roach every Tuesday for insight into those principles held in common by all the great religious traditions in world spirituality, exploring the unity within all cultures and faith traditions. Using discussions, interviews, humor, insight, and practical advice, we will clarify the confusion and reveal simple yet profound truths. Call in with your questions and ideas and help break down the barriers that separate us from one another. That's World Spirituality with Paul John Roach, Tuesdays at 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern, here on Unity FM, the voice of an awakening world. Inspiration only takes a moment. If you are able to safely turn your attention away from the demands of your activities, quiet your mind and affirm. There is a divine plan at work in my life. I now relax, let go, and let it unfold. Listen attentively, inwardly, without projecting any thoughts about what you think should happen or be experienced. Become as a child. Trusting and receptive to the guidance of spirit within. This meditative moment, adapted from Mary Cupferly's God Will See You Through, is brought to you by Unity. Hi, I'm Jane Asher, and I believe, and from what I've been shown, that when our loved ones die, they don't really leave. They just slip into the next room. On my podcast, I explore the bigger picture surrounding life on Earth and what follows when we do die. I speak with authors, friends, transition specialists, and other experts about every facet of death, dying, grief, hospice care, cultural traditions, and also our beliefs about that final journey and what we may end up facing. Please join me on the next room on the mindbodyspirit.fm podcast network or wherever you get your podcasts.